What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm 2-Minute Drill. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined, by, as always, by James Grande. Recapping Week 7 of the NFL season. Grande, I took your advice following last week's debacle with cash games. I avoided them this week. Actually, it was a very profitable week. I only did four GPP lineups, but I still... Uh, uh, a little over 300% ROI on NFL, and I had about 450% on NASCAR. So let's go. The, the GPP approach this week was was golden. Let's go. Um, well, happy to be back as always. Um, with you and the FA Nation, but dude, I mean, look, if there is an approach and it's not working, I understand. Joel Embiid has long said, you know, trust the process, but sometimes f the process, Dan, and we we. We start from scratch, you know, and if we're getting beat by lineup trains in cash games, those lineup trains are not going to stop and they're going to continue and they're going to continue and they're going to continue. So, you know what? We alter the process process. That's what that's what Joel Embiid's. Sh- that's what he should say. Alter the process. Um, and you know what? Sounds like you had a pretty gosh dang good weekend, Dan. And it sounds like you're going to buy your girlfriend something nice for dinner this week. So, you know what? Cheers, cheers to you, Dan, and cheers to your girlfriend for, for profiting as well. <laughs> so let's just dive in. Um, I kind of want to just talk in about these two games of the weeks that we were supposed to have. Uh, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people were talking about the Chiefs-Bills game. They said that they were satisfied with it. The over-under was 54.5 going into yep. it. Uh, it settled at 44 points overall. I think, what, Bills won 24-20? Yep. It seemed for the most part that this was like a high school dance between these two teams, and neither of them wanted to really make a move until later in the game. Uh, the Bills still get it done, and there were still plenty of noticeable fa- not- notable fantasy performances along the way. Uh, Mahomes and Allen were both fine. Travis Kelsey found the end zone again. Juju Smith-Schuster finally had uh, a game that we were all kind of hoping for uh, more consistently. Uh, but then there were also some duds along the way. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, after we were talking a week ago during the Monday night game, that he always just seems to find the end zone, and then he had one called back. Uh, he puts up a bit of a dud performance. Uh, we already touched on Juju, uh, and I'm curious as to what you think he can do rest of the season. But Gabe Davis is kind of a boomer bust play. Uh, he finds the end zone once again, but at the same time, if he's going to be this guy that's only getting five or six targets a game, are you really reliant on the big play? I was listening to a podcast earlier this morning, and they were talk, talking about how overly efficient he is and how he's averaging over 25 yards per catch. But he's only getting about five or six targets a game. Is, is that a guy that you know can win you some weeks, but he's going to cost you other weeks? I mean, sure. I mean, we've seen this before. It's not like he's going to be the first player to be uber efficient and score a bunch of touchdowns. Um, and kind of be boomer bust. We've seen it throughout. If you've played fantasy football at, at all, like that's happens. Um, you're right. He hasn't had a week over six targets. He's done it three times. The other two games, you know, four, five targets, three targets. One game, he had one t- reception for 13 yards. The game against Miami, three targets, 30 or three receptions, 37 yards. The problem is, he also was dealing with the ankle earlier in the year, right? And he seems to also now be over the ankle. I don't know. You know, he runs literally past everybody. Um, his speed looks great. His route running looks great. Um, so I think Gabe Davis is going to be a boomer bust play. But, um, you know, the ankle looks good. So maybe we're going to get more boom than bust. Um Moving forward. But yeah, I mean, 
Do you kind of just rank him consistently as a top 20 wide receiver the rest of the way? Yeah, I think he's yeah. I think he's safely a middle to back end wide receiver two weekly. I feel like you can always just find comfort in the fact that he's on probably one of the most explosive offenses in the league. And he has that. It really only takes one big play from him to really make you feel good about starting him each week. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, he's not going to help you win every week. There will be some disappointing games, I'm sure, because he's lost his share of the ball and, and time with Stephon Diggs. Uh, I love what I've seen from Isaiah McKenzie. Yep. Um, except, but, uh, except yesterday. Except yesterday. Yeah. He had a he had a tough game on the fumble, or he it was technically a Josh Allen fumble, but like McKenzie dropped it yeah. and it cost them possession. But like ultimately, it's like the question was always like, okay, like people are gone from Buffalo. And it's obviously Stefan Diggs that is the number one target for Josh Allen. But what's number two? And that was like the debate, right? It's like, can Josh or can Gabe Davis, half the community loved him, half the community hated him. There was nobody in the middle. Like there was nobody that was like, yeah, Gabe Davis is fine. It was, I love Gabe Davis. I hate Gabe Davis. There's, he's going to crush his ADP. He's going to fall flat. Um, There was nothing in between. Um, and it's seemingly that, right? Like he is putting up monster games or he's putting up a dud. So as you mentioned, like he is going to win weeks, he is going to lose weeks. And I think that's the Gabe Davis kind of, that's what we're doing with Gabe Davis right now. Um, and if you drafted him, that's what you're living with. I think if you're going out to acquire, like, I guess that's the thing. What can you, you're, you're, he's a wide receiver to a boomer bust wide receiver too. What are you trading for him, or what are you offering him to someone else for? Like it's it's a tough spot to be in. I think I'm comfortable if I'm rostering him, but like he's gonna have duds. Like unlike Stephon Diggs or Travis Kelsey in in the same game, you know. Let's move on to lame of the week part two. The Seahawks and Cardinals were an absolute disappointment. Only one touchdown in the entire game. When we were expecting uh, probably not as many fireworks uh, as the game in Kansas City, but I don't know, maybe some maybe some nice sparklers. Uh, but <laughs> Kenneth Walker, uh, he's a league winner. We talked about that term last week. But if you got him off waivers or if you were able, able to acquire him for cheap, uh, you're feeling really good about that. He has zero competition in the Seattle backfield. He had 97 rushing yards yesterday. Found the end zone. Uh, Geno Smith came back down to earth, kind of turned into a pumpkin, uh, only 197 yards passing, <laughs> did rush for 48 yards. And uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, Marquise Brown left with a foot injury. We will touch on that shortly. But Kyler Murray is just not good. I think he's going to cost Cliff Kingsbury his job at some point. <laughs> that contract they gave him is looking worse and worse by the week. No touchdowns, uh, two turnovers. His fantasy production was salvaged by the fact that he had 100 rushing yards, which is great. I feel like last week or two weeks ago, we were kind of beside ourselves wondering why he wasn't running more. We did see that on Sunday. So if you have a 100-yard rushing bonus, great. You got that from him. Uh, But otherwise, it was a very underwhelming game. Uh, I'm curious as to what your takeaways are from this one in particular. Uh, Are we – should we pump the brakes on – locking in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as everyday starters, just because, you know, it was, it was a nice story about Geno Smith, but at the same time, I feel like this is probably what needs to be expected of him. If he was going to be the Geno Smith of the past two or three weeks, I feel like we would have seen that in recent years. Uh, It's 
I just, it just looks like it was a flash in the pan, and this is probably going to be more of the norm. Is he going to have another big game or two? Probably, and he, he's a great target for DFS. Uh, but I just I don't really love the idea of ever uh, starting Geno Smith in season long. So I'm so let me let me start by saying I don't necessarily agree, and here's why. I think yesterday ended up being very script dependent because. They just didn't need to throw the ball um, as much as we've been accustomed to. I mean, the thing is, they've allowed 27, 27, 45, 39 points the four weeks prior. Like, they were not stopping anyone. And that has scoring. They also, well, but Geno Smith was throwing. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm saying. I thought we were talking about Arizona, my bad. No, I'm saying, well, because you're talking about Geno, so I just figured I'd just just touch there first. Like, and then they get to a game where Arizona looks dreadful and they don't need to throw. And Geno Smith isn't asked to be put in these scenarios where he's throwing 35 times, 40 times, and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are obvious targets in every every situation. Here's where I think it's going to get back to that. At the Chargers next week, at the 5-1 and one New York Giants the week following, <laughs> yes, they play the Cardinals. What's so funny? <laughs> I like how you uh, preface your own team. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the Cardinals could be a stinker, but D Hop's there. Then Bucks, Raiders, potentially the Rams. Maybe they'll be alive. Like there's some potential good offenses coming to town for Seattle that I don't foresee them stopping. Which then, you know, will make Geno have to throw the ball more. Um, and I, I do think that puts Lockett and Metcalf in a scenario. Geno Smith did 31 times. He only had to throw 197 yards. Kenneth Walker had 21 carries. Um, and Geno had 48 yards on the ground, something that he's doing a lot more of this year. So I think we don't need to be that worried about Geno Smith. Um, do you still think and, he's a top 12 quarterback? Yes. Okay. Yes. We had that discussion earlier. I do. I would rank him in the top 12. All um, right. Uh, some other takeaways from this game. Oh, did you want to keep going? No, no. Let's just let's move on to your points because I know we're gonna. It's gonna flip um, to the other side. Well, Monday news did break that Marquise Brown, uh, in all of his immense and impressive uh, target share and just pure volume, uh, he's going to be out for a little while. It was initially there were concerns that it was a season-ending foot injury. It looks like it's going to be more so just six weeks. Uh, so if you're Marquise Brown over, you can take a, a deep exhale. However. Uh, the Cardinals did go out and trade for Robbie Anderson, who got kicked out of the game by his own head coach last <laughs> week. And Steve Wilkes says he's going to banish Robbie to the team that did him wrong. So Robbie Anderson is now an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins also comes back this week. And it's a short week because the Panthers do – or the Cardinals. I'm so sorry. I am off my game. Uh, but the Cardinals play the Saints week seven on Thursday. Uh, when Marquise Brown does come back, I don't know. We can't really expect him to get this like nine to 10 targets per game. I mean, we've seen in the past uh, that when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, Kyler Murray is a significantly better quarterback. And you just have to right. assume that they throw Nuke right into the fire and he's going to be wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting, right? And it's something I've talked about a couple times on separate shows and podcasts. Like, we all expect it to be the case. But also then you factor in... Andrew Hopkins is coming off a steroid suspension or some form of PED. He's not. You hope I mean, it lingers. You ho- <laughs> well, yeah. Well, <laughs> right. So people who drafted def- def- drafted him, 
definitely hope it lingers. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but birthdays happen every year. So that means by by just the way that the world works, you get older every year. DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, wear and tear on the body. Plus coming off the steroid suspension, we don't know if he's going to be that guy. Like he was good last year, but he wasn't as good as he had been in years past, I'd say. I think that's a fair assessment of DeAndre Hopkins of last year. And now he's coming into a situation that the offense doesn't look good. Um, they just lost their number one receiver who's significantly younger. And um, even in the bad offense has been productive and DeAndre Hopkins isn't getting any younger himself. So like, yes, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the number one, but I think things are going to be super foggy once everyone is back in the fold. If Marquise Brown ultimately does come back, like, you know, you're not rushing him if you're two and two and eight or three and nine or whatever, whenever he decides like he, or whenever he's healthy enough. So we'll see when he comes back. I do think Hollywood Brown could coexist as a wide receiver two, low end wide receiver two, maybe a high end wide receiver three. I think having everyone healthy. Um, I mean, Rondo Moore is dead, right? Yeah. Like he's dead. Especially um, with Robbie. Robbie Anderson is probably plays opposite of Hopkins while Marquise Brown is out, but once Marquise Brown's back, Robbie Anderson's dead. Um, because you'll probably have Rondo Moore. I shouldn't say Rondo Moore's dead. He'll probably play most of the slot snaps, but I mean, it's just gonna just to concentrate. Like, there's five guys there once everyone's healthy. Plus, Eno Benjamin is a good pass catcher. We don't know what James Conner, he's day to day. Um, so there's a lot going on in Arizona, and I ultimately agree. Kyler Murray and his Call of Duty playing, um, obsession is going to get cliff kingsbury fired um but Dan, I, let me just rapid fire these at you let me just switch it to you yeah rest of the way kyler murray top 12 quarterback yes or no probably yeah i'll say yes rest of way deandre hopkins top 12 receiver yes or no no i think he's probably gonna be more fringe top 15 yeah, I'd probably say that. Definitely top 18 is what I feel most comfortable with. But that's still a wide receiver, too. That's a guy that you can play every week. Right. I am a little bit worried because I didn't even know that he was 30. I thought he was 28, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I mean, I completely forgot that he was taken in the 2013 draft. Um, I'm mostly worried, like, potentially rust, you know, are they going to get him 8 to 10 targets immediately? Right. Out of the gate? You know, I feel much more comfortable saying he's going to get 5 or 6, which is, you know, the Gabe Davis workload. Right. Um, if he's getting eight to ten or, you know, like especially the injury to Brown does help. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to say top 12 just because it's been such a great year for receivers so far. Right. Uh, right. I do feel good about top 15, though. Top 12 tight end. Uh, let me do this. Top 10 tight end. Zach Ertz rest of the season. Probably just because the position's been so bad. Remember, remember what we were talking about a week ago with Taysom Hill and, yep. you know, how we said that there's this tier of just Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. And then every other tight end sucks. And so I was worried, you know, we were all worried that when DeAndre Hopkins came back, that it was going to have a negative impact on Zach Ertz. But now Marquise Brown is out. Right. Still, they still need to utilize him. He still has great hands. So I have a very hard time believing that Zach Ertz is not going to be a top 10 tight end, just given the overall, like, craptastic uh, pool that we have at the position. Over under wide receiver two weeks while Marquise Brown is out. For Rondell Moore and Robbie Anderson combined. Wait, what? Over under yeah. one 
Wide receiver two or better week by Rondell Moore okay. or Robbie Anderson while Marquise Brown is out. Because that would t- – I mean, if you say none, if you say under for both, what's the point? Of, like, I, like, I don't think Robbie Anderson has any value in Arizona, really. It's it's a very short, small window. He has to learn a playbook. Learn then, playbook. then Marquise Brown's coming back. Rondell Moore is going to – I mean, he's was always going to be the slot guy, but, like, we have, what, we have six weeks potentially of Rondell Moore being number two, maybe number three option, right, in the past game. So how many wide receiver two weeks does Rondell Moore have until Marquise Brown's back? Over, under one. Can I push? <laughs> you can push, push. Yeah, push. That's fine. I'll say one just because I do like the schedule that's coming up. Uh I- Man, I don't like playing or targeting players in the Thursday night game, but that is a matchup. We've seen the seats, the Saints get yep. pretty badly. And yep. then they have the Vikings and the Seahawks again. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in this span right here in the first three games over the next six weeks. But then they have the Rams, then they have the 49ers, then the Chargers, then the Patriots. And then the schedule just gets tough because it's Rams, Niners, Chargers, Pats, Broncos, Bucks. Good luck. Uh, that schedule is brutal. Yeah, that's kind of ugly. All right, let's move on. Uh, I wasn't sure if we really wanted to talk about Daryl Henderson. I mean, he had an okay game. Didn't necessarily, like, let it up. He found the end zone, which is great. Uh, but Cam Akers likely done in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know. I'm just curious to see, like, where you think his ceiling is, if you think he could be a top 12 running back or if he's just firmly going to be, like, a top 20 to 24 running back that's still RB2. He had 14 touches on Sunday. Um I don't know. I just feel like he's most familiar with this offense. I've always been kind of a Daryl Henderson truther. I feel like if you've been yep. in the discord the last season or two, I've, I've always touted him. Granted, Akers is the more talented guy, but clearly he's he's done. In he's gone. I feel like they have to cut him. He's I gone. Don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Have they cut him or no? Is no, he- but no. The Another report today was that they're going to find him a home. Yeah, like so. I don't know what they can get in a trade for him. Well, I mean, look, Robbie Anderson was just traded for like a sixth and a seventh round pick. Like you can find a 23 year old running back. I know he's coming off the injury. He's obviously not happy. He's disgruntled. But like the talent is there, right? Like the talent is clearly there when healthy. So um, I think there's I think there's talent there. I think they'll be able to find something late round pick. But in terms of Daryl Henderson, I mean, we love the snap share um, of the 65 offensive plays. He played 46 snaps. He had 13 carries, as you mentioned. He ran 22 routes. Um, Malcolm Brown ran four routes. We were scared of Malcolm Brown, uh, right? Like, that was like, but there there was talk. I mean, wasn't there? There was literal talk about Malcolm Brown stealing snaps. Like, I'm sorry. That was never going to happen. Um, so, I think that was just coach speak from McVeigh. I mean, granted, like if Malcolm Brown got hot or if it was, uh, who's it, Kyron Williams, like, yeah, maybe he rides the hot hand. But more often than not, it was always going to be Daryl. Um, but I think Daryl Henderson is a weekly wide receiver, too. Like, I wouldn't. I think running there are weeks. Two. Yeah. So, sorry. Running back, too. I don't think. <laughs> yes. Running back, too. I don't think that there's like many weeks where like uh, granted by weeks, maybe um, that you're going to like rank him as a wide receiver one or I said wide receiver again, running back one. We are both off our game tonight. Dude, um, my apologies. But uh, yeah, I think weekly running back two. Um, and I like the qu- deal him to a running back needy team. Uh, dude, I think you could get if you are a if you are in a good spot of running back, if you ended up like 
getting Kenneth Walker off the waiver wire and like ending up with, I don't know, Eno Benjamin, or you stumbled into Jeff Wilson earlier in the year and like you got all these people off the waiver wire and you happen to have Daryl Henderson. Yes. I, the, the answer to your question is yes, you could move him to a running back needy team and get some pretty good wide receiver value or, you know, even float him out there for maybe one of those top two tight ends. If you package something correctly, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, Henderson is a good running back too if you have him, and also something you could float out there on on the uh, on the trade market as well. All right, I have a quick note on Deion Jackson. I guess we could be really quick here. He had a huge day for the Colts. Uh, are we worried at all that maybe the Colts don't want Jonathan Taylor touching the ball as much when he does return, uh, or is he still the bell cow? Obviously, we you made the argument uh, last week that through the Colts' first handful of games last year, he was. RB 22 or something. He's kind of yep. in that range right now, finishes RB one. We still have the mindset that he is the bell cow. We're not worried about Hines, Jackson, Phil Lindsay. We're not worried about the Colts just trying to limit the amount of times he's touching the ball. No, I don't think so. And I think the reason is because first off, this is his first injury. Let me first injury since high school. He had never missed a practice in high school. He had never missed a game. He had never missed a practice or a game in college. And then, then he did played all his games and all of his practices last year. I just don't think he knows what to do with the ankle, right? But on a good note, he practiced at the end of last week, which is everyone was like, oh, he's going to play Sunday. And then they just decided to take an extra week off. And, I, you know, they won without him, which and now they're in first place. I think that this team is built to run the football. They uh, Matt Ryan was not sacked. As as the offensive line guru here at Fantasy Alarm, you know that the Colts offensive line projected to be maybe the best in football has been the complete opposite of that. Um, they've been dreadful, but good start this past week. Um, Deion Jackson left that game with a quad injury, so he's not exactly healthy. Naeem, he, Naeem Hines is also in the concussion protocol. And Philip Lindsay, I mean, he's been on the practice squad all year until the last two games until they've needed him, right? So... No, this is Jonathan Taylor's team. He's going to get 20-plus touches a night a game when he's back, and I think that's going to happen this week, especially after getting in Thursday-Friday practice. Like That usually trends toward playing in the same week, um, so we'll see what happens with, with Taylor in Week 7, but I do suspect he plays, and um, I think he's going to be the bell cow 20-plus touches a week when he's back on the field. All right, it is time once again. Victory lap time for me and Grande. The Giants are 5-1. and one. The Patriots look good with Bailey Zappi of all quarterbacks under center. We're riding high. It's been a dark time, especially for you as a Giants fan. Uh, but Brian Dable's come in and really turned that offense around. And every week, I, I just can't believe they're doing this with Daniel Jones. But, I mean, they're they're getting the guys that we like going. Belly found the, the end zone once again. Um, <clears throat> Wattail Robinson, what a day. And it's crazy because, like, the Giants have so many good wide receivers. They have Kenny Galladay, who, I, I don't know. It, what is it? What's, what's been hot bugging him? Is it like a hit? The knee. Game? It's the knee. It's a knee, yeah. Uh, and Kadarius Toney uh, can't find the field either. But but they're getting it done. And, uh, I mean, it pleasantly surprised to see them beat the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. It's like the third straight week Lamar Jackson has had, like, less than 20 points in the face. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same do your thing. Like, so your chest up. That's your team. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'm obviously super excited. And I think it's crazy, Dan, if you look at the schedule. And I said that I've put it on Twitter a couple times. Okay. The Giants have now beat the Titans, 
playoff team. They're one seed from last year in the AFC. They're now over 500. They beat the Packers. They beat the Ravens. All three in the playoffs last year, all three, two of which probably were people's picks to maybe go to the Super Bowl in the Packers in Baltimore. They're five and one. They play Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit, the next four games. Are they could they be nine and one going into Thanksgiving against Dallas? I'm not gonna say they're going to. Like they obviously can slip up and whatever, but like Daniel Jones has four fourth quarter comeback wins this this year. Four. Four. Everyone loves Brian Dable. And they're getting healthier, dude. Um look. You know what's crazy about the Giants schedule? Is like yet you're not wrong, like they could be nine and one, but the, and I was looking at the Eagles schedule earlier today, and I'm like it's realistically possible that that team goes 17 and 0. Yeah. I but mean, the, I think that they probably, they, they, if anything, they maybe fork over a game to the Giants to close out the season. A, a division. Awesome be, how awesome would it be if they were fighting for the division in week 18? That would be, in, I mean, that's like the unbelievably, the team isn't that different. Like from last year, it's really not all that. It's really not all that different. Um, it's just the culture. But I will say, two guys that are different. Okay, two guys that they brought in themselves, this this coaching staff, Wondell Robinson only played, didn't even play 30 percent of the snaps um, this past week. And it was expected. It wasn't expected that he was going to play a hefty workload. Three receptions on four targets, 37 yards in the touchdown. And he was uh, on a lot of snaps in the backfield, like getting fake reverses. They've already said they're going to use him in the running game. I think he's going to be used when. They're doing they're doing a lot of wildcat right now, and they're they're actually calling it quadcat with Saquon because I mean you know whatever. But I think Wandale's going to start getting more carries, like some Curtis Samuel Carolina vibes for me. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling about this like situation. I think Wandale is an immediate waiver wire pickup right now today. I think he's a waiver wire pickup. Um, I think he's going to be a great wide receiver three flex play the rest of the year. And dude, Daniel Bellinger. I mean, we've talked about him. I've talked to you about him a couple times earlier in the year. He was blocking. He was on special teams, but he was hurt coming into the year, getting his footing, doing all this stuff to get back on the field. Ran like 95 percent of the routes this week, um, played all the snaps. He's now scored touchdown in three of five games that he's played in um, two in a row. We have two games with five targets and we know how bad the tight end position is, I think. Both those guys are options. And Daniel Jones, as much as people, you know, want to hate on him, the dude's balling. Um, and he's yeah, a bye week. the most out of him. Yeah, I agreed. And I think he is a bye week fill-in because this is the first time he wasn't effective on the ground all year long. Six carries, six yards. That was the first. I think he's, like, hit the over on his rushing prop every game of his career until this week. Um, but he had two touchdown passes. So, you know what? Daniel Jones. Decent bye week fill-in. Uh, the Giants actually do have some good value. And I want to ask you a question about your Patriots. If you are Bill Belichick right now and Mac Jones is healthy, who's your starting quarterback? Because I got to tell you, that FBS uh, the FBS record holder, Bailey Zapper over there, looking pretty, pretty good. I know he's going to start getting a lot of uh, Tom Brady comparisons just based on where he was drafted and stuff. Do you turn the reins over to Bailey Zappi until he gives you a reason not to play him? Um, not really, only because like I don't really think Bill subscribes to the theory that you know a guy is going to lose his job 
because of injury. Now, granted, that's exactly how. That's exactly how. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, the Patriots are not deep in a playoff run like they were when Brady took over. And I mean, that was just like a magical season. And even Bledsoe came in during the playoffs and helped them win a game when Brady had to leave the game due to injury. Um, but, you know, Mac Jones is a former first round pick. You know, the team went to the playoffs last year. This has been a nice, very small sample size from Zappi. But I think that when Mac Jones is ready and healthy, it will be his team once again. Now, if he struggles and the and the Pats go back to, you know, losing, I mean, they're three and three right now. They're not blowing teams out of the water except the Browns. Um, but if if they struggle, obviously they can make a change if they think that they have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs and they think Bailey Zappi gives them a better chance. It's been fun. I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. Um, but I'm not going to get overly excited, and, uh, but it's, it's still Matt Jones's team. Okay. Um, and then follow-up question, because I, I'm interested on when Damian Harris does return, um, should Ramondre just be the one a, or is it, is it, do you think there's a chance? Cause he has looked so good in ev- basically every opportunity he's had this year. He has looked, he has shined. Is he, should he and will he be the 1A when Damian Harris returns? Because it's not going to be, I mean, if the guy the guy worked out before the game, it doesn't seem like this is going to be an extended injury like it was first reported. Um, well, like, what's your opinion on Ramondre and, and uh, Harris there? Uh, Ramondre's looked awesome. He's been fantastic. Uh, should he be the 1A? Yes. Will he be? I I think he will be. Um, a bit, but I mean, like, that's kind of how it was before. Maybe you can, like Harris was probably the one a and Stevenson was the one B and they were still on the field enough. And, uh, obviously the injury to Harris has carved plenty of production for Stevenson. You know, he's got the hot hand. Like, why would you take the ball out of his hands when he's running this well? Uh, they will mix Harris in. That's just been their, that's just been their thing for so long. Like (laughs) we hate the Patriots backfield. Uh, heading into every fantasy football season and we're six weeks in and we're, you know, obviously excited about one particular guy, but when Harris is ready, he's going to get touches. I still think, you know, Stevenson's going to be a 12 to 15 touch per game kind of player. Um, got 23 touches last week. That's, that's not going to happen when Harris yeah. is ready. <laughs> uh, But if he's getting 12 to 15, that's still a solid RB2 flex territory at the worst. Um, you know, and then you just hope that he can find the end zone and remain efficient. That's all I got on the Pats, because I think uh, we bo- we would probably both agree that, like, Jacoby Myers, I think Jacoby Myers is the weekly start at receiver. I think he's awesome he no matter. He probably is, but, like, there are still some concerns about just, like, overall volume. Now, we had four catches for 60 yards this week. You know, that's 10 PPR points. Um, <clears throat> but, like, the... You know, Devontae Parker this week looked really good. Nobody nobody topped over 70 yards. The Patriots had four guys with 60 to 65 yards receiving. Nothing over that. It was very – there was just even distribution throughout. Now, granted, uh, Johnny Smith got there because he had a long 53-yard catch. Yeah, I mean, that's literally – I mean, but, uh, you know – that's what Billy Zappi can do, bro. He can stretch, he stretches the field, you know. No, nah, but uh, but other than this week, Jacoby Myers has been a target been god. He's been it's awesome. been a t- and even and even in the down week, ten fantasy points. So 
I think personally, I think Jacoby Myers is a weekly start, no matter who's a quarterback, because he's done it with Zappi and he's done it with Mac Jones as well. I agree. Uh, 31 targets through two games. And last week he caught all four of his targets. Um, so yeah, you have to pretty much get him in uh, whenever you can. He's a solid flex option at worst. Uh, is that going to do it for us this week or do you have a believe it or not? I'll do, I'll do a believe it or not. Let's, let's ride with a believe it or not. Okay. This one, we're going to head to the running back position. And it's two guys currently in the top seven of scoring in PPR formats. One is a rookie. One was kind of a castaway this year in an offense that was supposed to be featuring a passing game with a new shiny toy. Um, but that toy has, uh, you know, fled the scene and pushed the cameras out of the way. Uh, so it's led to this guy being a pretty dominant force, especially the last two weeks. I'm talking about Brees Hall running back six and Josh Jacobs running back seven. My question to you, Dan, is do you believe that both of them will remain a top 10 option for rest of the year at running back? Well, assuming they both stay healthy, I'm going to say Brees Hall definitely stays a top 10 running back the rest of the year. I just don't have as much faith in Jacobs. I just feel like there are weapons that they'll need to distribute in certain game scripts with, you know, Adams, Waller, Renfro. Uh, I still like Jacobs. I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't have him in any leagues, but I am very proud to say that I have a plenty of shares of Brees Hall. Um, I did a, one of the uh, – in our preseason series for fantasy football, we were debating ADP and certain players, and I was very high on Brees Hall. And even I can say that I was wrong because I didn't think that this transition to Brees Hall as the RB1, I didn't think it was going to happen this early. I'm glad it did because uh, there were some weeks when I was contemplating dropping him, but I had to stay steadfast. Uh, but I think Brees Hall finishes as as RB, as a top 10 running back. Jacobs can, but if if I, I, I don't want to sit on the fence, uh, so I'll say that he doesn't. Um, I'm very excited about what Brees Hall can do. Like I wrote him up about a week ago as a buy-high candidate. I still think that you probably can. I think he's worth the price tag. He's just he just has such pure raw talent, and he is the top weapon in that offense. Yep. You know, I know they still have like good pass catchers in, in Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, but he is he's he's the Saquon for that team. He is just the premier weapon. I mean, to your point, I agree about the pass catchers, but it doesn't matter. Zach Wilson threw 18 times. This offense has flipped on its head. Joe Flacco was breaking records with his pass attempts. Zach Wilson is not throwing at all because the Jets are just dominating the line of scrimmage for running. I mean, Bryce, Brees Hall, 20 carries, 116 yards. Michael Carter, six carries, 41 yards. Like, they're dominating the line of scrimmage, and they're not throwing the ball, and that's now – like the third straight week, they haven't needed Zach Wilson to throw the football. So, um, yeah, I agree fully on Bre- on Brees Hall. Uh, I, I'm I'm definitely on the fence about uh, Josh Jacobs. Very aided by two big weeks. He was RB two, RB three, right? Yeah. And the other weeks, uh, two weeks outside the top twenty four, he has a RB seventeen finish. So we'll see. Um, but RB seven, Doug Martin's like. RB, he was a top five running back one year for the Bucks. This is like probably over. A yeah. Ago. Yep. Muscle that, was aided, that was aided essentially by four monster games. And then the other 12 games were essentially just eh, 
he was okay. But like because it like he had like three or four monstrous games that weighted his his just overall fantasy production so much, he finished as a top five running back. Yeah, the muscle hamster was pretty good, and uh, I'm pretty sure he ended up going in the first round of fantasy drafts the next year. And it was a Kenyon Drake fall off. It was like an absolute bust. It was the Kenyon Drake thing where Kenyon Drake <laughs> ended up going in the first round that like the following his best year, and then he falls off a cliff and like. Yeah. But now Kenny Drake's best player in football again. So who do you know? All right, Grande. Well, thank you so much for your time. Give Grande and our uh, NBA DFS team some love. The, the season kicks off Tuesday with a nice little uh, two-game GPP slate. My Celtics are in action. Uh, I'm, you can tell as much of a fan I am because I have no idea who they're playing. <laughs> Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's a there's a Millie Maker, Dan, on uh, both DraftKings and FanDuel. 200K up two top. Two-game slate. 200K up top. 200k up top, but yeah, there is a Millie Maker on uh, both FanDuel and DraftKings. They will not miss the opportunity to have a Millie Maker, no matter how many games they're on, Dan. Uh, as a DFS player, you know this by now. Yeah, I mean, they do um, it for showdowns. <laughs> they, they, they actually give out a million-dollar pr- top prize on showdown slates. So, um, yeah, so go over there. Well, and I know nothing the- about NBA, but I will be probably making a few lineups for that tomorrow night. Uh, so definitely check out the NBA team's content. Uh, but Grande, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you in week seven and best of luck to the FA Nation.